You're listening to the St John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Today's reading comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, not from you or anyone else even though, as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, if I ever tell you that I'm going into politics, please stop me. Uh, The level of scrutiny and analysis for politicians is so intense, and we see it particularly at the moment in the midst of this COVID crisis we're going through. And the higher that you rise in the political ranks, the more your decisions are are analysed and scrutinised. So much so that for our premiers and for our prime minister, they have things called approval ratings. So basically, they poll people every month and they ask them a question like this. Do you approve or disapprove of the job that Scott Morrison is doing as the Prime Minister? Just last month, the Prime Minister's approval rating dropped from 57% to 51%. Now, how do you reckon you would go if you had regular approval ratings done of you? If your friends and your family and your schoolmates or work colleagues were asked the question, do you approve or disapprove of the way that Jane is going as a friend at the moment or doing her job or pulling a weight around the house? Could you handle that sort of pressure of having that sort of approval rating? And how would you go if one month your approval rating suddenly took a dive? Could you cope with that at all? I mean, the reality is that all of us, to some degree, seek after the approval of others. Now, I confess that I'm a bit of an approval-aholic. I hope that I'm better and improving at that, uh, but I do care what other people think of me and how they approve of me. And I do seek something of my significance and my value from other people and whether they approve of me or not. Here's a few ways that that can manifest itself, present itself, seeking after approval. 
Firstly, I can tend to look at approval statistics. Now, sure, there's no official approval rating done of me, uh, but as a minister, I look at things like, how's the attendance going at church? And how's the giving going as well? And when those things are going well, I can think, oh, I must be doing a good job and people are approving of me. But if they're not going so well, I can start to doubt whether I'm doing a good job and even doubt my significance. What about for you? Probably the approval ratings are different for you, the statistics that you might look at. But things like how many likes are you getting on social media? How many friends and followers do you have? Uh, if the last post you put on Instagram didn't really make many waves, you might look at that and think, hmm, maybe people don't approve of me. And you can, your sense of significance can take a bit of a dive. Or maybe, you know, the last test that you did at school, you didn't so well. Or the uh, work uh, that you did, um, the, the annual review, you didn't get very good ratings on that. And so you can have a sense of your significance and your approval going down. Sometimes too, we can seek our um, approval or a sense of our approval from positive feedback from other people. So if I'm giving a talk or a presentation and uh, at the end of it, people say, oh, that was really helpful and good. I can feel like I'm approved of. But if there's stony silence or criticism, then I can doubt my significance and think, oh, people don't approve of what I'm doing. Uh, maybe you're the same in different areas. Uh, do you need people to tell you that you look good? And if people don't comment on your appearance or your dress, you can start to think that they don't approve of you or doubt your worth or significance. Or um, do you need people to tell you that you've done a good job uh, at work or on a project? And if you don't get that sort of positive affirmation, can you start to doubt whether you're approved of and whether you're significant? Thirdly, my approvalaholism can manifest itself like this. Someone asks me to do something, and frankly, I don't have time to do it and I shouldn't do it. And so my brain says, say no, but when I open my mouth, I say, yes, sure, I'll do that for you. Because I'm afraid that if I say no, maybe I'll disappoint them, that they might not like me or approve of me. Uh, maybe you're the same too, and this is a key identifier, I think, of seeking our approval in other people. That we have difficulty saying no to other people when we should, and if we probe more deeply, what's driving that is a sense that we want the approval of others, and we're afraid that if we say no, if we disappoint people, that somehow they won't like us or approve of us, and we fear their rejection. So we're doing this series at the moment called Our Deepest Desires, where we're looking at these desires that we have in ourselves, which are not, they're not bad in themselves, but if they become controlling desires or they become out of proportion, then they are unhealthy and ungodly. And today we're looking at the deep desire that we have for approval. We need to acknowledge again that seeking approval from others isn't necessarily a bad thing, but we need to seek that approval in the right place. 
And to get some biblical perspective on this, we're going to have a look at this Bible reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, Paul, who's writing this letter to the Thessalonians, uh, could be forgiven for wanting their approval. As he says in verse 2, he's turned up in their town, having come from Philippi, where he's been rejected and abused. Now, when you've been the subject of disapproval and abuse, it's, it's natural that when you go into the next context, you think, I don't want that to happen again. I want people to like me and approve of me. And so you do everything in your power to make sure that you're accepted and valued. But Paul is not prepared to compromise. He's not prepared to compromise on the message that he's got to share about Jesus in order to win their favour and approval. And the reason for that is that he more highly values the approval of God than the approval of people. Here's what he says in verse 4. We speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people but God who tests our hearts. Paul knows that he does have God's approval to share this message about Jesus. And so he's not driven by trying to please people. He's driven by his desire to please God. Now, this is a key insight as we think about our own deep desire for approval. You see, the desire that we have to seek approval from outside ourselves is a right and natural desire. We've been created as relational beings, made for community, made to be in relationship with other people. And so what other people think about us does matter. So the antidote for our desire for approval is not to turn inward and say, I just don't care what anyone outside of me thinks. I'm not gonna seek any form of external approval at all. Frankly, I don't think that works because I don't think that's the way we're designed. Again, we're social and relational beings. And yet that's often the, the advice that you'll get, the worldly advice that you'll get out there. Don't care what anyone else thinks of you. Just be true to yourself. Well, there's truth in that. But how can you be true to yourself unless you truly know who you are? And a key part of who we are is made by God and made for relationship with God and with other people. And how can you know your value and your worth apart from the God who is your maker and a relational God who wants a relationship with you? So in actual fact, the desire that we have to seek approval outside ourselves is right, but we shouldn't seek approval ultimately from other people because it it can't be satisfied there. You know the saying, you can't please all of the people all of the time. Uh, frankly, sometimes it's, it's hard enough to please some of the people some of the time. So rather than seeking approval from people, we should be seeking it from God, our creator. Now, Paul goes on to highlight in this passage two dangers that can follow from seeking the approval from other people flattery and hypocrisy. It's in verse 5. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. 
Flattery is when we tell people what they want to hear. We excessively praise them and we downplay realities that might upset or offend them. Uh, we do that because we fear rejection again. If we say things to people that they don't want to hear or they might not like, then they won't approve of us. If we tell them uncomfortable truths, then they, they will perhaps reject us. Putting on a mask is really another way of speaking about hypocrisy. So in the ancient world in which Paul was writing, uh, actors on stage actually wore masks on their faces and the name for those actors were hypocrites. That's where the term comes from. It's someone who's playing a role and who is disguising their true self. And we can do the same, can't we, when we're seeking the approval of other people. We can disguise our true self and, and merely present an image that we think people want to see. It's very common on social media to do this. You know, we carefully curate our content so that we're presenting ourselves in a way that we want people to see us and we hide uncomfortable or unpleasant things in our lives that wouldn't go down too well. We even filter our photos. We Photoshop out our blemishes. And all of that is a way of masking ourselves and how people see us. More subtly, uh, you can act a little bit like a chameleon in different social settings. So famously, chameleons change their colour to suit their environment. And we can do the same. We can adjust our behaviour and act like different people in different contexts. Uh, my wife, Anna, used to say she could always tell when I was chatting to my mates from my cricket team on the phone because my voice got more ocker and slang as I was speaking to them. Uh, I wasn't even aware that I was doing it, but I was subtly shifting how I behaved to fit that context. Now, that's a pretty moderate example, and it's not necessarily a, a bad thing either, Part of being empathetic to other people is, is adjusting ourselves to what's going on around us, the emotions and the behaviours around us. But there are limits, aren't there? What if Anna noticed that when I was chatting to my mates from cricket that my speech was full of swearing, I was becoming more sexist, uh, racist jokes were coming out of my mouth because I was adapting to that environment and wanting to be accepted and approved by those people. Well, that's becoming a major problem, isn't it? But we can tend to do this. We can tend to mask ourselves and change and adapt because of the fear that we have that we won't be valued for who we are. If we remove the mask, if we present ourselves without any camouflage at all, will people like us? Will people approve of us? Or will they reject us and devalue us? So Paul's contrast here between seeking approval from people rather than approval from God leads to things like flattery and mask wearing or hypocrisy. And both of those really are ways of presenting an image of ourselves to the world so that we're approved of. And it's helpful to distinguish between image and identity. An image is about how we present ourselves to the world to be seen. 
But identity is about knowing who we truly are. Who are we at our core? What's our fundamental identity? And again, we can only know who we truly are in relation to the God who made us. So as Paul writes in verse 4, we're not trying to please people but God who tests our hearts. See, God knows our hearts, who we fundamentally are at our core. You can't fool God by putting on a mask. You can't flatter God. You can't Photoshop an image and present it to God. God knows our hearts, our true selves, our hidden motives and desires. And so we need to seek our identity in him and we need to find our approval in him as well. Now, the Bible, of course, doesn't flatter us or seek to mask the problems we face. The Bible is clear that God made us and God loves us passionately. But it also acknowledges that we have rejected God and that we have sought our approval and our identity in things other than God. And that rejection of God leads to feelings of shame. Shame because of the things that we've done. Shame because of the way that we've misused people, even abused people in our search for approval. Shame because at our core, we know that we can't find approval in and of ourselves. So we desire approval, but the yearning is never satisfied. But the good news of the gospel is that God doesn't leave us in our feelings of shame. God doesn't just wave a stern finger at us and say, I disapprove of you. Instead, God reaches out his hand to us in Jesus to remove that shame, to restore our honour and to bring us back into relationship with himself. When you look at the person of Jesus, you see that Jesus doesn't go seeking after the approval of other people. He wasn't afraid to speak uncomfortable truths to people. He wasn't afraid to stand up to powerful people, even if they disapproved of him. And he was able to do that because he came from the secure and confident position that he knew that he was approved by God, his heavenly father. So at Jesus' baptism, which is the start of his public ministry, we hear God speaking from heaven these words about Jesus. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So Jesus had the approval of God. And yet in order to restore us, he was willing to be despised and rejected, to be mocked and spat on, to be stripped naked and publicly shamed as he hung on the cross. This Jesus, who was approved by God, his father, was also willing to be abandoned and rejected by him. Again, speaking these words from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus experiences the depth of shame so that he can restore our honour. He allows himself to be devalued, despised and disapproved of so that we might be accepted, 
restored and approved by God. Through Jesus' resurrection, we see that he is loved and approved by God. God points to him and says, this is the one that you need to follow. This is the one that you need to put your trust in, to direct your life by following him and submit every aspect of your life to this Jesus who is Lord of everything. And as we do that, as we connect ourselves to Jesus by putting our trust in him, then we receive the benefits that he has won for us through his life and death and resurrection. We receive a new identity in Jesus, which restores our relationship with God. Uh, Romans 8, 14 to 16, sums up well a key part of this new identity that we have in Jesus. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So this same God who said of Jesus, You are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased, says of those who have united themselves with Jesus and been filled with God's Holy Spirit, You are my child. I love you. I am pleased with you. And this same God not only restores our honour and removes the shame that we have, but he actually adopts us into his family. He honours us and he welcomes us in Jesus. So forget, forget whatever image you've been trying to project in order to be approved of by other people. The truth of your identity, if you are someone who trusts in Jesus, is that God says you are valuable. God says you are loved. God says, you are my daughter. You are my son. You are precious in my sight. Now, taking hold of that truth and clinging to that reality is a remedy for the never-ending, never-satisfying search for the approval from other people. We need to know who we are in Jesus and how God sees us in him. You see, in Jesus, the disapproval of other people cannot ultimately hurt you. Even if people reject you, they don't acknowledge your worth. The verdict of God, who is the ruler of all things, is that you are worthy. Your worth is assured in him. What he says is truth, not what they think of you. But in Jesus too, we realize that the approval of other people cannot ultimately satisfy us either. If we go continually seeking our value in what other people think of us, then we go up and down like a yo-yo. Sometimes people will approve of you and sometimes they won't. Some people will like you and other people won't. And you'll exhaust yourself with flattery and with the different masks and images that you're trying to present and with the, the endless image curation 
as you seek other people's approval. It is so much better to rest in Jesus, to rest in what Jesus has won for you, in what God guarantees for you in Jesus. So practically speaking, how do we seek to redirect this desire that we have for approval? Well, firstly, the first step is to notice when we're seeking the approval of other people in an unhealthy way. So when we notice ourselves flattering, filtering, putting on a mask, or saying, yes, sure, when we should be saying no, we need to stop and acknowledge that maybe in those situations we're seeking after the approval of people, you need to name it and notice it in order to address it. That's step one. Step two is to talk to God about the reality of what you're doing. God, I realize that I really am seeking after the approval of other people when what I should be doing is looking to you for my worth and my sense of approval. God, please turn these desires that I have, which are directed towards other people, and direct them to you instead. Reshape those desires so I'm putting them in the right place. And then thirdly, take hold of the identity that you have in Jesus. In Jesus, God approves of you. In Jesus, you are a beloved child of God. In Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you to strengthen you and empower you and to transform you from the inside, including your desires. So as you look at yourself in the mirror each day, be more concerned about your identity rather than your image. You are who God says you are, not what other people think of you. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.